Voice of Fintech. Welcome to Voice of Fintech, a podcast mapping out the Swiss and global fintech scene, connecting fintech enthusiasts with startups, incubators, accelerators, business angels and VCs, and incumbents interested in partnerships. Voice of Fintech will help you navigate the fintech ecosystem. Here you can listen to the startup founder stories, what investors and incumbents are looking for when dealing with startups, and find out more about resources provided by incubators and accelerators. My name is Rudy Fallad and I'll be hosting this podcast. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech. Today we're going to travel to Texas and we're going to talk about why digital transformation in wealth management is needed and why is it needed in the back office that you probably don't see or don't think about if you're a client because you just see the front office, but the back office obviously enables your smooth experience as well. So I'm very curious to find out what's new in this space, what's cooking, what can be done so that when you get advice from your wealth manager, it doesn't have to be painful. So welcome today, Ryan. How are you today? I'm wonderful. Thank you very much for having me, Rudy. Brilliant. So can you tell us how did you get to do what you do today? Sure. So I am one of the lucky people in this world who gets work in an industry like wealth management and financial technology, fintech, that I'm extremely passionate about. And also, I get to use the skills that have come naturally to me that I'm most interested in, which is marketing, communications, and executive leadership. So I came to DocuPace. I've been here about two and a half years. Came along with our CEO, David Nock. In April of 2020, a private equity group called FTV Capital put a growth injection into the company, into DocuPace, which brought in David Nock, who subsequently brought me in to lead our marketing efforts. So one of the things as a CMO that's most important that you have the buy-in from the CEO. And I'm lucky to have a strong friendship and a strong working background with our CEO, David Knox. So that was something that I signed up for. And I was excited, excited to work with DocuPace to help bring digital transformation into a broader use set. Great. So let's talk about wealth management in the United States. So what are the key trends that drive the need for digital transformation? In many countries, people talk about the depth of active asset management for a long time. They talk about self-service, robo-advisory. Less people talk about reporting, right? So if you are a wealthy person and have a accounts or assets in different places, it's not that easy to have a unified view of what's where, and especially when you have something in alternatives. So ideally you invested in startups, right? Or VC funds or private equity or real estate. How does that all work together with all the industry trends and then underlying structural or technology trends? Sure. Wealth management is an active space. Like a lot of professional services-based industries, in the financial advice space, the wealth management space is really, really in tune right now to making sure the client experience has the least amount of friction, the least amount of bumps, and the most points of access that you can provide today. One of the things that has come up recently in the post-COVID-19 era is that where you still were pushing paper around, still really reliant on meeting with clients face-to-face, all that went away two years ago. And so firms have always needed to digitally transform their business. That was really pushed forward because of the pandemic. And so what we've seen the last two years is firms that are investing in digital transformation, investing in, I would say, ways for to process and, trans- and transfer in an effective digital manner, which is what DocuPace helps support, have really slingshot themselves forward and really been able to stand above. We are in a current state where our market is down. The market re- reduced 20% or more broadly in 2022. 
And so firms are looking for ways to how can I have the same level of service or up my game of service with my clients, have more connectivity without really having to bring on a bunch more staff in a down market. So that's that's just some of the trends that are happening. The investment market is continuing to be choppy and will likely continue to be choppy. So firms are looking for what can I do to control or reduce my expenses while me being able to maintain or update, improve my experience level. All right. Understood. Reducing customer friction, digitalization or acceleration of digital transformation. That's what we've seen in last few years, right? So it has to do with everybody being spoiled by Netflix, right? And Amazon, one click and I don't want to do more. Otherwise, you need to pay me for doing that, right? I get that. So where does DocuPace fit into this? What is the problem specifically that you're trying to solve? Or also, why is it worth solving? Because there are many problems in this world, but maybe they're not big enough, unfortunately, for investors to back them. Sure. So DocuPay solves the, the issue with maintaining accounts and opening accounts, making sure they get to the right place at the right time through a digital manner. If in a paper-based process, you have to fill out lots of information. So in a typical account application for a wealth management prospect or client can be anywhere from 15 up to upwards of 40 pages of paperwork. In that there's a lots of bubbles to fill in and account paperwork to sign, and it's very easy to make a mistake. So DocuBase helps validate that information, make sure to pre-fill forms, and even our best clients remove forms out of the process entirely. So you have a handful of questions that you answer, all that information gets sucked into the system and then populated the forms that are needed to open accounts. So what we do is basically take the point where a financial advisor has marketed themselves, been able to attract a client, been able to gain the trust that they need from that client in order to finally open the account and start their relationship. That's their biggest point of vulnerability in the system because there's a lot of friction that can happen or a lot of mistakes that can happen within the opening account process. So DocuPace takes that sort of biggest point of vulnerability and removes it from the removes that risk from the scenario by being able to open it and connect it with different systems together. That's one thing. The second thing that DocuPace does that's really important is it serves as a connective tissue among the different tools that a firm uses. So their CRM, their financial planning tool, their custodian, DocuPace is the integrated partner who connects those systems together so that they can provide an actual seamless experience. And I think that's something that is unique to DocuPace because of where we sit. And also what's more important is what we don't want to be. We don't want to be an all-in-one technology platform. We don't want to be, we want to be the firm that sits in workflow automation and digitizing sort of what we call back office processes. The other best of breed technologies do their work. So let me follow up on this. So who are your key clients? Are these independent financial advisors or the advisors that are retained by wealth managers or family offices or all of the above? So we have historically worked within the enterprise in the price space. So think of independent broker dealers or insurance broker dealers. So those are groups like Advisor Group or Satira Financial that have large, they are centralized home office that have large independent advisors that work in the field. Um, that has been bugaboo for more than 20 years now. The reason for that is centralizing processes among large volumes of advisors is where you get the most scale or opportunity from the platform. Um, in recent years, we have started to work as the R market, the independent investment advisor market has grown. We have pushed into that market. We released a product, what we call a productivity suite for the R group back in December of last year. And that has pushed us more to the end user, to the advisor end user. And we're really excited about that in 2023 and beyond to be able to take out the enterprise space and move us into the direct to advisor or direct to user space and deliver the same solutions. So coming back to the trends that you've described, it's the focus on the seamless customer experience 
trying to cut down on the costs that seems to go hand in hand with eliminating paperwork and getting rid of paper pushers. But can you show us some numbers as well? What, how big of the market is this? And are people willing to pay for it or how much are they willing to pay for it? Yeah, so the market is actually very significant. We have over 115 enterprise clients and serve over 230 or so enterprise, excuse me, financial advisors. Like I said, it's a large, it's a large group, but I can, let me throw you some numbers at you for in 2022. So in 2022, we had over 250,000 total users on the platform. We had processes, processed and stored 4.5 million documents. We, we had a 1.8% NIGO rate. So let me talk a little bit about NIGO. So NIGO stands for it's N-I-G-O, which stands for not in good order. And that's an industry jargon, forgive me for using the in the business jargon, that is when paperwork gets sent to the home office, gets rejected and gets sent back to the advisor or client to redo or to correct a mistake. The, and across our platform, the Niagara rate is 1.8% in 2022. Typical statistics across the business are about 15% of paperwork gets rejected. So you can see the direct impact that our platform can have on that. We have also processed over half a million e-sign transactions, a digital signature for client paperwork. And then the last statistic I'll give you before I shut up is we have a calculation for how many hours we save for the top of paperwork. And we have about 111 million hours. It's what, based on our calculations for our ROI, is what's saved for our clients in 2022. Sounds very impressive and that's great. But let me ask you, how is it for you as well working with enterprises? Because this sounds to me like it's more than just getting documents into a computer. It's about a workflow, right? Yes. So you talk about integration and things like this. And often big companies could push you to rounds and rounds of customization, right? So can you provide some solutions for them when they have a process, they don't want to change it, it's just that it's in paper and they want to digitize it? Sure. Or do you have your product and you say, look, we'll replace all of this with our solution? How does that work? How does that friction work? It's also important for some startups. Sometimes for them, it's difficult to decline a client that is asking them to customize everything and they end up being consultants. You are touching on probably the most important conversation that we have and have historically had in our business, which is how much customization do we allow for the client versus how much is the product just the product? And I think we are in the phase now, like I mentioned earlier, we are in our 21st year in business. And early on, I think in this more startup phase, I think we were very dependent on what the client asked. So basically, whatever the client asked, we had done we did our best to adjust the platform or configure the flat platform to be to deliver in that custom manner. However, as we've grown, that has created all sorts of challenges in terms of being able to scale and grow our business because you're not making one change across the entire product that affects every single client. You sometimes have to go in and make different changes because of customization changes that you've made over time. And so we're at the point now where we, we like to see more of what we would call provide configuration versus customization. So allowing a clients to choose from a set of options versus a single option, but trying to do our best to not customize the platforms entirely and for them. However, that's always a push and pull for us. I think with our experience and with our team and the, the different teams that we've worked with over time, I think it's what we have found is try to provide best practice advice and best practice intelligence to what other firms are doing and how they're successful for our clients, and then let them make the best decision. We do have professional services that they can customize it if they'd like, but we try to give them the best advice as, as a consultant in terms of what may be best in the long term for their business. I see. Understood. Understood. So how do you differ from other competing solutions in this space? 
whether it has to do with just using documents and simple workflows where you would need to set it up yourself or others that specialize in wealth management and maybe touch on reporting. Because one thing we didn't talk about is if you have clients that are enterprise clients, that's all great, but is your solution cross-operational and maybe... In other words, if I'm a client and I have accounts with, with three wealth managers, then can I use the same kind of solution with all three of them and that will be yours and it will all talk to each other? Or if other wealth managers will use something else, can it speak to your solution? So I wouldn't want to see too much of a difference. So it's not about onboarding or processing. It's rather having a snapshot of assets that I have across different wealth managers. Point is, comparison to your competition in terms of depth, but also operational compatibility across different wealth managers. Yeah, that's a really good question. So I'll start with the first part of the question, which is one of the things that makes us different is we really think that financial services is built into our platform's DNA. So there's a lot of enterprise solutions that offer workflow offer document storage, offer digital automation, but they don't necessarily have the same background and the same stakes in terms of being in financial services and wealth management for their entire life cycle that we have. And the document document-based platform is 100% focused on this, the device and investment industry. And that means our solutions really map one-to-one with the specific challenges that wealth managers face. And so the people know that their business and our business speak the same language that we can be compliant with regulatory rules from the SEC and FINRA, which are really important for everyone in the business. So that's one thing that makes us a little bit different. I also think in terms of reporting or excuse me, in terms of connectivity, the firms that really make good use of us, specifically in the now business to, co- to consumer market that we're moving into, is we provide flexibility within systems. So we can centralize processes and allow the flexibility for a firm who maybe acquires another firm who's using a different CRM They don't have to change CRMs in order to provide a centralized process because we can connect to both of those CRMs and bring that information into a workflow at an enterprise level. It also means, to your point about working with, say, multiple custodians, we we allow for a, a sort of a seamless process that then shoots the information to the different custodians so you can have one workflow that actually opens multiple accounts or multiple multiple instances across different custodians. So it does centralize that. From a reporting standpoint, we don't do performance reporting for the, excuse me, the specific investment. What we can do is report on the performance of the operation. So we can show how a firm is, how efficient a firm is behaving. Are they opening as many accounts per employee or accounts per advisor based on, based on their competitors or based on peer groups? And we do have that information, but we don't have actual, like this investment has gone up X percentage. You mentioned in the introduction about the difficulty in household performance, including all the different types of investments, whether something is held in a private placement or held in a public investment. That's a problem that still exists. That's not something that DocuPace has directly addressed. That's something that more of the other sort of more data-driven performance reporting tools do. All right. Understood. Understood. So you talked a little bit about scalability, right? So from your enterprise growth perspective and the push and pull when it comes to customization or optionality for clients. I think it's all clear, but let's maybe zoom in on scalability within the solution that you have. So for example, you work with a particular client. Are there any limits to scalability? Let's say that they become super successful and their volumes are 10 times larger than last year. Does it change anything for you? Will the performance of your solution hold up or not? I assume that all of this is run on the cloud. So 
essentially it should be like in the digital world, there are limitless resources, but sometimes that's not true. So how is it for you? Yeah, I actually think from a scalability standpoint, I'll somewhat give a contrarian view, which is we're not the best at scaling out small processes that don't have a ton of volume. We are much more at the level of firms that are looking to significantly or exponentially grow volume and do so without having to add a bunch of new people or a bunch of new processes. That's where that's where we sit. We've been able to add on the last handful of years, being able to leave, add on large different customers like Emeritus or Farmers Financial, or even add on either clients. And for instance, I'll give an example of one client of ours that I can't name specifically. They're bringing on a thousand new advisors into their ecosystem, which include thousands and thousands of client accounts. We can add them into the system without friction, without fail, be able to scale up that platform. So that's one of the benefits that DocuPace has possibly over some others in the field is since we come started at the top, and are now looking to trickle down into smaller size enterprises. Scale is never going to be an issue with us in terms of the server space and performance of the platform, reliance of the platform. We've really built out the maturity of that over the past decade or so. All right, great stuff. So let's zoom in on this a little bit more. So what's your technology angle? Is the key your proprietary tech or is it a bundle of different third-party technologies? It's a, it's a source that holds it all together or... Is it something in between? So it's 50-50. So proprietary tech probably is about half the value that we deliver. And that is that that is work that has been gathered over time. We have worked with the product architect group, has built solutions based on the needs of our customers over the last two plus decades. And so the workflows, the customization that we can provide, as well as the intelligence in terms of what others are doing is something that is that, that is proprietary to DocuBase. But we do use a handful of best of breed solutions like um Oracle for our server space, an AWS for our server space as well. But I do think the other side, which is one of the things that really makes us unique, is connecting into other technologies easily. This business, as well as I think most businesses, professional services-based businesses are very dependent upon not having a sole technology because nobody can cure all problems, but being able to connect your system together in a way that they actually talk to each other, share data in both directions, and be able to process business. And that's something that I think DocuPace really excels at is our ability to connect and connect deeply with core systems, whether in our case, like a custodial platform or CRM. Those are very important for us because we know that most of the advisor space really begins their work within the CRM and ends their work at the custodian. So we need to be that glue inside that system that can help connect all the different pieces together. Like I said, it's probably about 50-50. Right. Okay, great stuff. So... To recap, reflecting on the trends that you noted earlier, right? So wealth management, focus on user experience, on cutting expenses. But going forward, how do you see the future of financial advisory? For example, some people have been saying for a long time, the active asset management is gone, right? People just want to focus on expenses so much, the passive is the way to go. So in that case, do you really need to talk and meet with your financial advisor Or if you still want to, do you need to meet with them in person or can you do it over the phone or over video? All of these can impact your business and the way you are structured. So where do you think that the priorities could be? It doesn't have to be this year. It could be longer term, right? Sure. I think this year and beyond, I think there's some very specific steps that a financial advisor or a leader of wealth management advice group really needs to take if they're really serious about having a perpetual firm that exists into the future. The first is they need to leverage technology for every area of the business 
that doesn't exactly need a human hand or a human brain to do. So you just mentioned about active and passive management. The whole idea of being a stock picker for your client or managing a proprietary portfolio for your clients and really focusing on the investment side, I think that's going away. I think there's a technologies that are in place that can provide personalization, can provide specific performance parameters and focus on specific risk factors for clients that an advisor who's spending, putting all their effort in that area, they're going to be automated out of the business. The second thing I think the advisors really need to spend their time on is really becoming, for the lack of a better word, the licensed professional counselor that works with their clients. So what the client needs from their advisor is really somebody who understands their, can be a sounding board and can reach out and communicate with them along a path, not just about performance, but about what's ahead, what are the factors that are affecting different things, and being that sort of shoulder to lean on. I know that sounds like they're getting away from advice, but that's really the advice that makes a difference. And so it's not just a technology is going to take over the business and we're going to run. It's technology combined with the human empathy on top of it. It's combining those two together effectively and creating a service model that really delivers that to where a, a client can have access to their access to their accounts, access to their investments, and access to the advisor through technology, but then allowing the advisor to really serve as that that third party, whether it's the angel on the shoulder or the devil on the other, and really provide that sort of listening ear for a client. And I think those are the advisors that are really going to stand out moving forward. There were some people, when they talk about buzzwords, they talk about augmented intelligence in a way, right? Sure. The augmented intelligence, I think, is part of it. I think the You'll hear a lot in this business about AI and RPA and machine learning. We have not seen the impact of those really affect the business. I think we're really still in the infancy stage of those being entered in different business. And I think it's really exciting for all different firms, for, for us and for others, and even the clients and advisors, because we're in the sort of experimental phase and trying out where is it going to work and where can we apply new technologies like augmented reality and other areas. It's going to take a little while before those really shake out into being fully fledged service offerings or experiences. But I do think that th those who can embrace those leading edge technologies, at least give it a shot, will probably be better positioned than others as we move into later into the decade. All right, all clear. So before we go, I just have two easy questions for you. First of all, do you have any recommendations for further reading, whether it's a business book, nonfiction, or some other resource where people can read about what we've just discussed? Sure. As a marketer and a communicator, one of the books that I think has always been my favorite is a book by a Duke professor named Dan Ariel called Predictably Irrational. And it talks a lot about the embedded lizard brain nature of our brain and what helps us make decisions and what, what makes us drive for reward, whether it's immediate reward or long-term gain. I think that book will teach a lot of people about not only the clients that they may be looking to attract or serve, but also their people, they, the people they be may be married to or the kids they may be raising or the others they may work with as far as how their brain works and how to really position yourself to for them to get what they need and for you to get them get what they need. So I, I would definitely recommend that book. All right. Wonderful. Thanks for the tip. So what would be the best way for people to reach out and find out more about what you do at the DocuPace? Sure. So the best place to reach out to DocuPace is our website at D-O-C-U-P-A-C-E.com. But to reach me, it's on LinkedIn, LinkedIn backslash R-A-George, R-A-G-E-O-R-G-E. -E. I'm on LinkedIn. I live on LinkedIn for my business. I'll connect with my network. That's definitely somewhere. If you can reach out to me, I can definitely get back to you quickly. That's where I spend a lot of my time as I'm working throughout the day. And it's been a good place for me to contact with other professionals who are looking to share information I just build out their network. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Ryan. And good luck to you and DocuPace.
Take care, really good luck to you as well. Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast. You can also subscribe to Voice of Fintech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any other podcast app that you like. If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests or how to make this podcast better for you, please email us at info at voiceoffintech.com. Happy to hear from you. Thank you.